Welcome back, everyone, to the Cyclone Scoop podcast. Heading into week four already, Iowa State's going to be hosting the Baylor Bears to open the Big 12 season. Honestly, shaping up to be a potentially huge game with the way the Cyclones have looked. And I am joined by my friend, former colleague, and now of Sikkim 365 Radio, Garrett Ross. Garrett, thank you for joining me today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Not a lot of people you know, that I know no more about Baylor than this guy. So we will be getting into it right now. And, and I would just love to start with kind of a general question. Baylor sitting at two and one, obviously a really, really impressive 2021 season last year. Dave Aranda, he's got connections to my alma mater, Wisconsin. I've been nothing but impressed with him and, you know, really his career and the job he's done with Baylor. How do you feel that Baylor's performed up to expectations so far three games into the year? I think that depends on whose expectations you're talking about. And, you know, that's a that's a question where you get multiple answers for my expectations, though. Uh, I think this was ex- exactly what I was expecting to see, man. If you if you look at last year, you had a team that was chock full of NFL talent. You had every big game essentially at home. You didn't have any injuries, and you really can't script anything better than that, you know. And coming into this season, uh, you lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, um, and you showed last year that you really struggled in road environments. So I'm looking at their schedule, and I'm like, oh, you know, you're going to Norman. You're going to UT. You're going to Ames. I mean, all these big games are on the road. West Virginia on a Thursday night. You've never won at West Virginia. Um, you, you know, so and I'm Joey McGuire's at tech. You got to go out to Lubbock. That's, you know, that's insane. Going to be an insane environment. So for me, I was like, this is probably a, a situation where it's a transitional year, in my opinion. So I thought Baylor would lose four games uh, in particularly mostly on the road. Um, so they're about where I thought uh, it's I'm kind of been concerned with the lack of production, per se, from skill positions, mainly the wide receiver and then secondary. Uh, but overall, it's about what I expected personally. Yeah, and, and that sounds about right because I was pretty consistently high on Baylor, but I always kind of made this distinction where I feel that the Big 12 is wide open this year. So I've kind of said that, you know, something that my readers and myself definitely wanted to know was maybe a standout or two on each side. And then I would love just a couple names that, the, that Baylor actually did lose to the league just to think about how much talent they've lost since 2021. I mean, we can start with with going to the league. I think you definitely got to look first and foremost to Jalen Petrie. Uh, he was yeah, playing essentially the star position last year for Baylor, was at the linebacker, coming up on the line, in coverage. Everything really that was successful about their defense went through him. Uh, you lose that as well as with Terrell Bernard. Uh, and, you know, they're really your vocal points uh, that were calling out everything and getting and all the alignments. That's gone. So you got to have guys step up. Obviously, Dylan Doyle is a guy who came back um, at the linebacker position who has provided some of that stability. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the game this past weekend at Texas State, he missed the first half. He got ejected at BYU uh, for a targeting call uh, and had a miss. And their defense against Texas State was really kind of absent in the first half without him out there. So that's one of the things I've been concerned about. If you want uh, another guy, I would say is um, Jackson Player having him transfer in from Tulsa and provide a backup for Apu uh, Siaka Aika right in the middle at that nose tackle position. That's been able to kind of keep those guys fresh. 
I've been a little surprised that they haven't got as much pressure early on. I'm sure that will come with more reps. Uh, but those are a couple of guys on the defensive side. If you want to look at the offensive side, some guys that are coming back, um, obviously Blake Shapin won the quarterback battle in the offseason against Gary Bohannon. Gary Bohannon is down at USF right now. But this is a guy that a lot of people coming in were like, you saw flashes of it, uh, obviously, in the Big 12 championship and um, in the Sugar Bowl. But people forget, like, this dude only had, like, three starts. You know, so he's he's trying to come into his own and, and find he has no receivers really to throw to because Tyquan Thornton left. He's uh, went to New England but obviously was hurt in the preseason. But he was having a really solid camp, you know, and I think there was high expectations for him. But when you lose pieces like that, it's so hard to, to fill it in and, and have people step up and bring productivity that you were seeing. And, and another thing is, if you look at last year, what really made them successful defensively was generating the turnovers. JT Woods, uh, another guy that you lost to the NFL, was always like wherever the ball was, dude, JT Woods was there, whether it was an interception, a fumble. I mean, he was always around the ball, and they just haven't had that. I mean, they haven't had any interceptions so far. Uh, you've created two uh, fumble recoveries, but that's it. So they're kind of a shell of themselves. And I, I think that's more so trying to find the leaders. And like I said, when you're trying to compensate for that much loss, man, it's difficult. Yeah. You know, I knew that they'd lost a lot to the league. I didn't think about all the kind of playmakers on defense. And that's especially interesting because Iowa State, their defense this year, there were some pretty high expectations around here, I would say. But the way they've been able to force turnovers has been, quite honestly, pretty impressive and something that I'll certainly be following as we get into conference season. You, you brought up shape, and, and I feel that this is kind of a, a natural spot. I'm curious about him, and you know, some of our readers and listeners also kind of wanted to know, with him winning this battle and, and obviously showing some of the talent that he's got in spurts, we can say, for sure, has there been such a reliance on the, the ground game, on the run? And if so, why do you feel that is? Well, it's kind of tricky because coming in, Baylor was didn't – they lost Tristan Ebner and they lost Abram Smith, your two main running backs to the NFL. So it's like, well, who's going to fill that void? You know, and you had some young guys back there. And in camp, the expectation was Tay McWilliams. He looked really good. And uh, it was him and Craig Squirrel Williams. Who, that's a guy who's been in the program for – man since like 2017 and injury bug injury bug always gets him and uh he's slowly trying to work his way back but Tay gets hurt so you're you're sitting without Tate and you're kind of looking around this room and you got young guys like Jordan Jenkins back there um and you also have Quaylen Jones he's been in the mix for a while now but he's kind of been on and off the field he's trying to get his weight right and then you have a this is unique you have a running back coming in as a freshman Kyan Roberts Day from Missouri. This kid is almost, he's 280 pounds, bro. And he's, but he's quick. So, the, you know, you're trying to work with that as well. But the, the, the really, the icing on the cake was finding Richard Reese. Uh, this is a kid out of Belleville uh, here in the southern part of Texas. Uh, I had an opportunity to watch him last year in the playoffs and at high, and I was like really impressed because he can, his field vision's elite. He's quick with the first step. But I wasn't expecting him to get as many reps, you know, coming in true freshman situation. But you look last week, he emerged. He was Big 12 newcomer of the week. He balled out, had three touchdowns. So he's kind of been the one who stepped up and helped him that running game. But the off, I don't know if it's just because the receivers, 
you have nobody who's really stepped up, but they can't get the passing game going. And that was really a point of emphasis coming into camp was, well, Blake Shaper can stretch the field. Gary Bohanna couldn't. Well, we haven't seen that. Like, you go back and look last week and you're playing against Texas State, who you should have plenty of opportunities to get open on. They never do it. They look like really vanilla in their offense. And uh, Ben Sims, the tight end, uh, was hurt. So he he was out, and you had Tay McWilliams was out, and uh, Cole Maxwell on the defense was out as well. So And that Dave Aranda said today that those guys are still up in the air. But not having that presence, that should have provided an opportunity for not having Sims out there for guys like Drake Dabney to step up, Kelsey Johnson. And they did, but – for whatever reason, Shapin wasn't able to find him consistently. So that's something he's definitely going to have to improve on this week if they plan on beating Iowa State. Yeah, I, I really like, you know, kind of the depth and all these names you're giving us, especially at some of those skill positions. I must say I was a little, not disappointed, but maybe surprised because I watched a little bit of the film, some of the tape from the Texas State Baylor game. And like I said, I think Shapin has the talent, but when you look at the box score and kind of what he did, you know, obviously he did a little something in the run game with his legs, but I wasn't blown away by some of those passing numbers. And, and you're right. I mean, they they handled Texas State, but that is certainly to be expected and just kind of the talent disparity between those two teams. Now, this was also one of my kind of favorite thoughts I, I had. And, you know, some of our subscribers really stepped up as well. How would you potentially compare, you know, maybe some similarities between how both Dave Aranda and Matt Campbell have kind of gotten their programs into great shape? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think both of those guys are resilient. They're hardworking. They're nose to the grind. They don't really have to – they lead by example, right? Like you don't necessarily have to listen to get elaborate speeches out of those guys. It's just like lunch pill, blue collar, put your head down. And I think that what really helps both of them – and. I know from covering Baylor and seeing it firsthand, the structure around Dave Aranda, having Linda Livingstone, President Linda Livingstone, and uh, Mac Rhodes, your AD, has really helped. And I think that when you look at Jamie Pollard and what uh, Iowa State has in place, you've got a very similar situation. You've got people who know that, you know, it, it, sometimes our school might be harder to get people to, but we want to invest in what we have. We want people who want to be here and we're going to work with that and build something special. And I think that's what you see. And, you know, I had a, we had an opportunity to have Matt Campbell on at big 12 media days. And, you know, he's a really humble individual and uh, it was just listening to him talk, man, that like you really want to play for that guy. And that's the same thing for David Randa. So there's a lot of similarities there and they're both very, to me, that they're, they're family oriented, they're faith oriented and they just, like you want to be around people like that. They inspire you to do better in all walks of life. And I think that's the similarities in both of them. I think that's just an incredible point, my friend. You know, I, I get that same kind of vibe being around, having been around or seen Aranda enough, right? And then obviously being around Campbell here now covering the Cyclones. I just feel like they're really good, genuine people. They're able to get players to buy in. And mm -hmm. made a great point that's similar, not only to the football team here, but basketball, they stress guys that want to be here. And, and yeah. once they are kind of here and you see that full buy-in, both programs have clearly shown that that can pay dividends, not only success in college, but getting to the next level as well. 
But I mean, when you have that support cast around you, man, and you have the people that you know are just going to let you cut loose and do things your own way, and they're not going to step in. You're not dealing with boosters being obnoxious, and and I think that's one of the most unique things about these two programs and uh, what they're dealing with. And it's really unique to see because you could be a Texas, you could be a you know A and M or whoever, but man, that that mess you're dealing with sometimes it's not worth the trouble. Completely agree. As well as then when you do, when you do those good things with the support of Rhodes, like you mentioned, Jamie Pollard here, who I've been pretty impressed with so far as well. It just means a little something more because you know that you built it from the ground up. You kind of did things the right way. So I agree a lot there. Speaking a little schematically here, and this is one that really had me thinking as well that I saw kind of pop up. Baylor, and maybe this was talent or personnel dependent. I'm not, you know, really sure. Mm-hmm. But they've had the ability on defense to kind of be multiple and, and show different fronts, whether that's four down or, or two down, you know, an effect with the blitz. How has that looked through two or three games this year? And do you really have kind of a sense of consistency there with what the schemes will look like going into conference play? I think the schemes will pretty much – I mean, there's always going to be – you know, moves and twerks. There's, you didn't show everything in non, non-conference, right? So there's going to be some things that need to be developed. But overall, I think it's going to be pretty much what you saw last year from Baylor. Now, it's not necessarily going to be that caliber because you have a lot of guys in position. I'm a little worried about their secondary. I don't think that they're playing up to par, really, when you look at the standards that were put before them by last year's squad. So that's what's got me a little apprehensive. Uh, so you're not seeing as many blitzes because you're having to compensate for that on the back end. But other than that, I would say it's pretty much the same. You've got really super athletic people all over the field who can make plays for you. It's just a matter of being consistent to me and, and being able to apply pressure. And I think that comes from the leadership, kind of what I was talking about with uh, having Dylan Doyle out there earlier. You, I mean, you've got to have a cohesive voice that gets everybody in check. And I think they're still trying to find that, but, as conference play comes along, I think you're going to see somebody emerge and the defense roll into like it was last season. And I think that's kind of a natural spot there. You know, we've talked on here now a little bit and when we were kind of setting this thing up about some of the, maybe not holes, but inconsistency with the secondary with Baylor. One thing I've really been been impressed with at Iowa state is not only how good Xavier Hutchinson is. And before I got here, I, I kind of knew that, but just the way that Hunter Deckers has really been able to get the ball out, get it out quickly, stretch the field, and I do feel that they're going to try to do that more in the 12 play as well. I just feel like the number of weapons that can actually show a little something in conference play for Iowa State has grown. And going against a secondary that might not be the best unit of Baylor's defense, I think could potentially show some problems for the Bears, especially here in Iowa State. Where do you see – a spot or two where Baylor could maybe take advantage of the Cyclones? Oh, I would say you really need to establish the running game early on. If you can set the tone at the line of scrimmage and be consistent and really on third down as well, take advantage of third down and where I was stayed out. I think that could help because like I said, you, you can rotate multiple running backs. They have in different sizes, different variety of running styles, but until they can, and it, especially if um, Sims isn't able to play from the tight end position, 
and you still have nobody emerging at the receiving core because you lost Monterey Baldwin too. He was the most electric receiver. Uh, he got injured against BYU as well. So you, I don't know what his status is going to be, but if they don't have anybody that can stretch the field, they're just going to have to like do what Iowa did and play ugly offense and try to slow the game down against Iowa State, man. Yeah, and it sounds like you listed several guys in that backfield to potentially be able to do that. I think that's really interesting, and I feel that this game, you know, going into the Iowa game, I, I said this, but seeing how bad that Hawkeyes offense was, I don't think I can necessarily stick to it. So I feel that this game is going to show me a lot of where Iowa State actually is and what their ceiling can be. Now, since the spring, based on just what I saw a little bit, at spring ball and Hunter Deckers and some of the big stars returning like Hutchinson or Will McDonald, Anthony Johnson. I had some legit expectations for this team, right? But just the way to me that the defense and specifically the linebacking core has looked because I knew what was back there in the secondary and some veterans in the D line, like I mentioned, but this linebacking core has looked really good for the Cyclones. And I think that will be a perfect matchup to kind of see where both of these respective units are because you mentioned linebackers have to play a major role in the run game if that's what Baylor tries to do yeah I mean it's really gonna be about matchups I think that's when you really need to see Baylor's offensive line kind of revert to what they were last year make sure you get to the second level and seal those blocks because if you don't it's going to be a mismatch nightmare and I think you don't while Blake Shapin is mobile and, and, you know, he can make plays with his feet. Ideally, you want him to stay comfortable in that pocket. And, you know, you've got your guys like Richard Reese who can, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield. So that's going to be an intriguing matchup. But Baylor's definitely going to have to find a way to scheme block those guys to not let them wreck so much havoc. And what's interesting is I think that what you mentioned Baylor might want, keeping Chapin kind of in the pocket or at least showing that he can do that. Part of me thinks that's what Iowa State would like as well because their secondary has looked so good. They have a semblance of a pass rush, and I don't think their biggest strengths are kind of against quarterbacks that get out of the pocket and run. They haven't been crushed by any offense so far this year, but just a couple plays against SEMO in game one and, and things like that. So, you know, just to kind of wrap up the show, I feel like we've hit a lot of the angles there. Going into Saturday, two-parter, will you be joining me in Ames? And who do you see leaving Jack Trice Stadium victorious? I wish I was joining you in Ames. <laughs> I eventually will join you in Ames, uh, but I can't this weekend. But uh, who's going to be leaving Ames with the victory is, I, I mean, Iowa State's going to sit at home and, and they're going to get a dub in front of their crowd. Uh, Jack Trice is going to be rocking. I think it'll be a good game, man. But until I can see Baylor go and handle a true road environment, be able to keep your composure, be consistent and get some plays like open the playbook up and spread the field, man. Until I see that, uh, give me the Cyclones and a tight one. Give me Iowa State 34, Baylor 28. I like that a lot. Not only kind of your rationale, which I'm going to agree with and go into a little more, but that scoring that actually is maybe even a little higher than I have. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out. I just feel like the home environment, you know, I do wish for my sake it was a little later because I think it'd be cool to see Jack Trice really rocking after oh, yeah. you know, tailgating, night game, something like that. But I think the home crowd is going to play a major role. 
Iowa State is not fully healthy. Most teams aren't right now, but most of their kind of top guys are or potentially should be able to play. And I just feel like when you get down to those matchups, like Iowa State's offensive line has been a major bright spot, and then attacking Baylor's secondary. I feel like Deckers will be able to pick apart the defense a little bit, and I will say he's impressed. But if he can kind of stop turning the ball over and have a little better ball security, I don't think many defenses in the country will be able to stop him. So I'm going to go with – I would like to dig into Baylor's defense a little bit more, but I'm going to say just straight four touchdowns, Iowa State 28, Baylor 24, in one of the best five or six games of the day, really. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears lead in the second half, but I'm going to rock with Hunter Deckers, Will McDonald, and the back line of that defense as well. Hey, man, I think you're spot on with it. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm just really intrigued to see how Baylor can handle that environment. They got to learn at some point, man. And, you know, David Randis had some, you know, he's had some interesting quotes, whether it be like Buffaloes running into the storm and, you know, it's, it's unique, but I just, I I think at some point it's got to happen. They've got to figure out how to win on the road. I just, I don't see it this Saturday, man. That makes a lot of sense. I think either way, we will be in for a great game. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining me. This was a blast. Uh, We'll definitely have you on for basketball season, certainly. And thank you all for listening. We will catch you next time. We'll see many of you at Jack Trice Saturday. Otherwise, next time for week five on the Cyclone Scoop podcast.